Hi, and welcome back to the Mom Mentality Show. I'm Chris Lucian, and my co-host is Austin Chadwick. And today we have Kelly Rankin, and uh, and he's going to talk about uh, optimizing for fulfilled mom practices, continuous learning, and holistic uh, um, perspective in the work. So uh, before we get on to those topics, Kelly, uh, maybe you can tell us a little bit about yourself and, and uh, what got you into mobbing and so on and so forth. Yeah, so um, I've been mobbing for about seven or eight years. Um, really passionate about it. Um, I've once I started mobbing, I've basically done almost that alone the entire time afterwards. So, yeah, very cool. Uh, well, um, so what uh, maybe? Um, what, what are your thoughts on optimizing for fulfilled mob practices? What are you, what are you thinking there? Um, so, you know, when I, when I got in, uh, when I first heard about mobbing, um, I actually said I didn't want to do it. <laughs> I, I had a manager named Melanie that uh, had bought up the idea and I had never heard of it before. And um, my first reaction was sort of to be intimidated. Like, I feel like we're gonna have more experienced engineers basically telling us what to do all the time and standing over our shoulder <laughs> and not really letting us sort of like, you know, experiment and figure out things the way that you do, as, especially as a newer developer, but, you know, as any developer, essentially. Um, and so, uh, about a year later, I saw the, uh, you know, the Woody Zool video uh, talking about like a, a day in mobbing, basically, and I uh, really liked the idea, it looked interesting to me. And so I uh, brought that to the team and showed it at sort of like a, we had like a weekly learning session where we'd like watch a video or something. <laughs> yeah, and so... Uh, got the a subset of the team to agree to mob and then um, yeah, i was kind of it's kind of been doing it ever since then what, what got you uh what got you past the like not wanting to do it was just was it just the video or was there a conversation you had like how did you get from i don't want to do it to i'll try it um it, it's sort of a a combination of like yeah the, the video helped because it puts a sort of visual in your mind of like what is this experience actually like so it's not just this abstraction that of my imagination so much. <laughs> um, but also I had a couple of coworkers that I trusted quite a bit that I had worked with for a number of years. And so that made it a little bit easier too. Like I knew what to expect from them. We had already, you know, started to teach each other a lot of things and we could, you didn't have to be too afraid that they're gonna be like, oh, this person doesn't know, <laughs> you know, doesn't know their stuff. <laughs> so that, yeah those two things okay cool nice. and uh i guess like when you had that first experience mm -hmm. um uh what was that like and then and then maybe how does that lead into being fulfilled as a mob participant yeah um yeah so it kind of it kind of ties back to that whole like everybody comes in with uh different motivations somewhat different motivations at least about you know what do they want to get out of uh, software development. And um, so kind of working with this group of people and slowly improving our mob and working through the difficulties and 
that came up over time, you know, you have a lot of different disputes that would come up about like, oh, I want to, you know, use this particular library to try to solve this problem or, you know, something like that. Um, or I want to, you know, use a new feature on Azure that we've never used before. Um, and having a mix of experience levels with different concerns, uh, sort of going through that on a daily basis, we started to, you know, slowly realize like, you need to really care about what each person needs in the situation, essentially, and let them pursue that in different ways, you know, one way or another. <laughs> so, yeah, and I guess that kind of goes back to what you originally said with uh, your original fear of uh, a mob programming is like, oh, it'll just be one dominant person kind of forcing whatever his or her agenda is. Um, and I also want to note, uh, it's, it's really cool to have someone on the show who says, uh, how long have you been mobbing for? And it's seven or eight years. Cause it's usually <laughs> for most yeah, that's people, amazing, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> for most people, it's usually a smaller number. And it reminds me of, uh, something that Chris said to, uh, someone we've had on the show before, Aaron Griffith. What did you, you called him the most experienced mobber, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Got, He's like... got 11 years of mobbing under the, under his belt. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's, so, that's a lot. <laughs> yeah. So no, that's great. And so I guess, Kind of stemming from that, because I, I think that is a key part of fulfillment, is uh, the ability to express yourself, whether it's run an experiment or share an idea, um, at least for me, the ability or at least influence someone else's idea or the team's idea. Um, mm -hmm. What what are things that you've uh, that you've tried or um, that you use to kind of help a team that's in the middle of a disagreement and potentially at a loss of fulfillment mm. <laughs> uh, when they have to do it all together, right? Yeah, um, I'd say as, as more time goes on, I'm a lot more willing to let other people try their ideas before mine, first of all, because I've already kind of been there and done that. So it's not as important. I like have to get my thing <laughs> on the table. So that's yeah. one big one, uh, knowing when to defer. Um, just also like trying multiple options like you can go part way down the path in three different directions and then evaluate from there you know so experimentation we get we get into these sort of like you know there's like locked in like oh we're debating we got to do this or we got to do this and that's you know in reality we don't we can experiment with multiple ideas so just moving away from this like we have to decide right away what we're going to do you know in most cases we don't need to do that so that's a bad uh, Woody would always say, wait until the last responsible moment to make a decision. I think that comes from the lean software book. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think that that mentality is everybody wants to think of everything up front. It's very counterintuitive, but the benefit of pushing back a decision a long time, one, I think it's more natural in a mom. And then also I think that uh, it, it provides a lot of value. So very cool. Very cool. Yeah, and, and, and I think maybe to dovetail a little bit from this topic, but I think it, it's key to it because I've, I've noticed that I've seen it on discussions on social media and then also just discussing with others. I think there's an embedded skill there uh, to do this as a mob effectively that sometimes might be just stated almost as magic, like, mm -hmm. oh, let's let everyone try our, their ideas. Where in some people's minds, someone's idea is a six-month project, right? Ooh, right. <laughs> right. Like, oh, you know, and so I think it, I'm starting to realize that successful, fulfilled mobbing 
it's a necessary skill to take any big, even like audacious idea and break it down into a very tiny, safe experiment, right? Because <laughs> um, without that, like you'd be waiting six months for someone to finish their idea, right? If it's a gigantic thing. What, I guess, what have you seen to help take someone's idea and turn it into something that's actionable for a mob and keep their attention span? <laughs> yeah. um, I mean, personally, the way I, I kind of like to do it, say it's like a new technology, you want to adopt a new technology, is just to watch maybe a, vi a video, you know, kind of go through, try to find like a high quality video that the group can watch and start to just get a little bit more information about what is this thing actually because when it's an abstraction you don't know you know depending on your level of experience with that topic you don't know how long it's actually going to take but to like do a particular thing or how much you need to learn but um sometimes you know you might be really opposed to something and then when you actually walk part way down the path you're like oh this seems it's going to be really smooth yeah and it's actually not that big of a deal but i was intimidated by it for whatever reason or i was fixated on my idea and in reality, this other person's idea is actually pretty good, so. Nice, yeah. And actually we just kind of did that recently in our mob where uh, it's almost like a test of the technology or practices community and uh, accessibility is to, let's try to find a video and watch something on it. Uh, that was a good one you said. Or what we do too is just find like the first Google result for tutorial and see if mm -hmm. it even works. Cause it's amazing how many times, like we were doing it the other day, we're like, well, you know, we're having this problem. What if we just, you know, started it from scratch and see how, and it's amazing how many technologies just don't even work doing like the 101 tutorial right? <laughs> and versus other ones where everything's just like blazing and everything's working. Um, yeah, one, of my, one of my most popular blogs. So I have a website, it's about a completely different topic and uh, I, I wrote one blog post about this esoteric bug in SQL Server, and it is my number one post and still gets regular hits like today because it was just something that I found like completely out of nowhere. And it was because all the tutorials don't actually work except for this one blog. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, yeah, it's just a funny thing. Funny <laughs> yeah, thing. no, it's like a huge sense of relief for people who are stuck on something when they find that like, <laughs> magical tutorial or whatever. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, Chris. So um, I know this is uh, a topic that's been on our Kanban for a while and we maybe addressed it or not, but I, I know what are, what are some of the challenges or questions I know you've been asked directly, Chris, about like, is it just people are like, how, how am I possibly fulfilled in a mob when I'm so used to working solo? Like maybe you oh. can expand on some of those questions. You're talking <laughs> about like the solo versus mob personal fulfillment. Yeah. 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 Exactly. yeah so um, a question that I've seen often is, uh, you know, if I'm used to working solo, how do I feel fulfilled with my work? Because usually the um, users using something I've created by myself is my personal feeling of fulfillment. Uh, and, you know, I, I wrote a whole blog on this, but this was, um, you know, kind of my answer to the person was now, rather than that code being the deliverable that you feel, feel fulfilled about, your product is almost the 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 um, the team and how well the team does together. So your con contributions toward retrospectives, your obviously contributions toward the code, but it's more of like, you know, have we been de delivering better today than we were yesterday, based on a contribution that I made to the team? Um, these are kind of like uh, uh, 
um, permanent multipliers that you introduce into uh, the team's productivity. Like that's where I think a lot of the personal fulfillment comes from in modding. It's like, hey, look, the team's behaving that way because they had a great idea and they adopted it and, and it works really well. And I think that those sorts of things kind of go around the group. I don't know, Kelly, if you feel the same way or, or anything, but that was uh, maybe my thoughts on the subject. Yeah, um, I share a lot of that opinion. Also, I think um, it's wise to let people pursue the things that they really feel ambitious about. And if that means that's something that they do on their own for a little while and then bring it to the group, um, that's okay too. Um, just really not making people feel like they're restricted any more than necessary, I think is key. Like we, in my probably favorite mob, like most high powered mob, I'd say like we were all innovating pretty frequently where we all kind of had something on the back burner that we were trying and then we'd bring it to the group, you know, partway through and then they'd make some comments like, eh, you know, I don't know. I, I kind of like this, but I don't like this. And then how about I help you look at that? And then, you know, you start to get that adoption of that particular idea. And that feels really good to get the validation of like, I tried this thing and people liked it and they helped augment it to make it even better. You know, so yeah, that, that okay. cycle works pretty well. Yeah. I think I can second that, that uh, uh, some really good mobs I've been in are ensembles where uh, people are, experimenting on the side, whether it's like during learning time or they're like, hey, I'll, I'm gonna go try something, I'll be right back or take me out of the driver rotation, whether they stay in the call or not. But I've seen that expression of autonomy be very healthy, almost cathartic, right? Like if you really wanna try a thing and you feel like you'd be interrupting the flow to try a thing, just go, just go try the thing, <laughs> you know? Right. And I think some people see it as a mob anti-pattern. I suppose it mm -hmm. can be. Uh, um, but I think it kind of goes back to a, uh, kind of a bedrock thing for me. And I think it's, it's a priority for a lot of people in the tech industry, but it, it, it makes a big difference how much of a priority it is, like how much you favor autonomy almost over anything else. And for me, it's really, really, really high. Mm -hmm. And I think, I think it has a big tie-in with fulfillment because if someone's participating in a mob or let's say you know, this new practice you want to do or whatever, whatever the thing is, because they feel pressure, uh, whether it's peer pressure or, uh, you know, boss pressure or whatever it is, <laughs> uh, you know, me and my wife are actually talking about it this morning. It's, it's kind of like forcing someone into a restaurant and they're coming in frustrated and negative. It, the chances of them liking the food, no matter how good it is, are probably pretty low. <laughs> right. Um, and so, for me, fulfillment has a lot to do with autonomy. So I almost, you know, it's, it's, uh, unless you're breaking bedrock morality of some kind or a policy, it's, uh, usually good not to step on it. Uh, right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. I think this, the, the thing being like, if you have a pretty healthy mob, you're working together for most of the time. And even when you do sort of step away, you kind of have that, the spirit of the mob, like there's this, you know, essence, shall we say, that you kind of understand what the concerns are going to be of other people. And you're keeping that in mind the whole time, you know, essentially of like, okay, I want to break away and try this thing. But I know that, you know, I have a lot of respect for these people that I'm working with. So when I bring it to them, I need to honor, you know, their concerns and be ready to adapt. 
<laughs> so yeah. that's the you know that's the risk you take. So. <laughs> Um, all right, well, uh, maybe it's a good time to kind of uh, jump on over to continuous learning. So what are your thoughts? I know I'm very passionate about this topic. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, it can mean different things that depending on um, where you are in your career, sort of like what's a priority to focus on as far as continuous learning goes. So if somebody if, is like, a, say, a, pretty new to programming and they've just joined the team, you know, you're going to emphasize probably a somewhat different set of learning uh, for that person, as opposed to the people who have some more experience, but um, also those people who have more experience also need a lot of learning too. It's easy to, you know, become stagnant <laughs> um, or to approach what you're doing in sort of a haphazard way where you're sort of stumbling through and you get it to work and it sort of works, but there's a lot of problems that come up later and just um, realizing that, you know, if you take a step back and formally try to learn things uh, along the way that it, it makes a huge difference. Uh, I've had a lot of, a lot of teams like that where everybody sort of thinks they know what they're doing, but then, you know, taking a step back and really doing focused learnings makes a big difference. Nice. Are there any um, kind of big revelations that have come out from that? Or, or I guess, uh, what what made you go from, uh, well, you know, what was the transition there? Like, you know, what solidified your thinking in this area? Was there like an experience or something that, that comes to mind? Um, you know, this, uh, I mean, off the top of my head, lots of little things. So just... Um, even in something that you do frequently, if you go back over even the fundamentals, you'll have a new insight almost every time, essentially. So, you know, a lot of people sort of pride themselves on like, oh, I can sit behind the keyboard, I can just crank this out, I don't need to look at anything, but like you don't know what you're not aware of in that process. So you might be missing some really good tools that you could use, so. Yeah, yeah. I've seen that too, that, like you said, going over the fundamentals, um, even if you feel you are an expert in something, can often be fruitful because if you're paying attention, you might be like, there's five points or five things you're like, oh, those first four, like, I, I totally got down. And that actually was the case for me. I was uh, listening to or watching a, uh, a unit testing series in Python and uh like three or four of the main like sections were like pretty much review for me but then, then there was this fifth section that would just like just like a whole new world <laughs> i'm like i would have never expected to discover something like that in kind of like a one-on-one you know type video series and that oh, that also happened to me in another technology too um where a tool or something that is just a huge innovation leap forward as far as feedback uh used in this technology it's like oh i would have had no idea about this when we were manually been clicking through something um well also yeah. I think teaching mm -hmm. uh you know i'll just jump in real quick uh when I, I find myself like when i'm when i'm teaching somebody something and then i'll be like i don't do this as often as i should but and then i'm like okay yeah like that's a reminder i should i should probably be doing that so like even just a reminder to yourself of something you already know uh can be you know, can be really good no one you know no one gets it right all the time yeah, yeah or they hit you with a question that shakes your uh, comprehension yeah. of the topic where you're like oh i actually don't understand how this works exactly i thought yeah. i did but i actually don't <laughs> that happens a lot yeah so you know i think that's really healthy anyway for finding those moments too because 
um, anybody that looks up to you as a mentor is going to appreciate seeing that you don't know something sometimes as well and, and that you're continuing on your learning journey or, or things like I'm not really good at this but this is my understanding right now of it and you know um, so those things can be really you know just provide safety I guess right yeah and yeah, to jump in here with a question, it's actually kind of going off of a tweet that uh, came up recently. Um, someone was basically saying, and I think it would apply to learning too, that uh, the, the desire to learn is like 90% of the battle. <laughs> like once you get started and you got some habits with learning, you, you'll figure it out, you know, basically. Um, but I don't know what what have you seen help people start their continuous learning journey right as opposed to the kind of like I static set of skills and this mm -hmm. is what I pump out every day to earn a paycheck kind of thing and I know that's a very stereotypical way to put it but just right. saying one end of the spectrum versus kind of jumping or at least starting their journey towards uh I'm learning while I'm working or something like that <laughs> um I mean, it's kind of a basic answer, but mobbing for one, uh, just working directly with a, you know multiple other people who have different skill sets or different experiences uh, prompts all kinds of learning, essentially. Um, you know, even if somebody's not a formal member of the mob, I like to just you know have an open invitation and sort of tell people you know if you want to, we're going to do a learning on such and such topic. If you want to hop in. Um, and, uh, you know, I've had a lot of people want to stay with the mob because of those kinds of experiences where there's like, wow, like a, a supportive learning environment, you know, um, I don't, they get a lot of bonus content from the experienced people about, you know, that they wouldn't necessarily pick up on their own. And so it, I've had a lot of people like with full stack development, I feel like a lot opened a lot of eyes there where, you know, I've been working on the front end or back end for most of my career, and I was really afraid of the other one. But now that you're showing me a TDD comparison, it's actually basically the same thing in a lot of ways. You know, the like Angular versus Ruby or C Sharp, like, you know, conceptually, it's basically the same in a lot of ways with the, the general work that you're doing. So nice, nice. Yeah, I, I, I would definitely second that because I think for at least for many people, uh, interacting with others is inspiring. Even if it's just like you go to a meetup and someone starts sharing on an idea, uh, it's, it's a pretty easy thing to hear something that's interesting to start learning about it, right? And so um, where sometimes just looking at a textbook uh, doesn't inspire a whole lot of learning, <laughs> you know, or, right. uh, um, where with if someone else is already in the act of learning or sharing, joining them is an easier step, I guess, going to like the habits, make it easy, right? You know, if it's easier to just show up at a meetup or just show up at a session, uh, it might make the next steps easier to, to pick up learning something else. And I guess on the tail end of that question, uh, what helps uh, keep your continuous learning going <laughs> as opposed to, you know, a, a, an event happening here and there? <laughs> um. So, I mean, in, in my most recent mob, uh, we use uh, William Larson introduced me to this continuous improvement canvas idea. And I don't think that he realized how much we were going to use it even. Uh, but it's a sort of something that we, we visited at the beginning and the end of the day uh, and really 
kept tabs on like how are things going you know does anybody want to like whether it's a learning session is it a sort of mob etiquette issue where somebody's not feeling good about how things are going uh documentation sort of like stuff that we really want to save that there's no you know other place where it's stored um so just having something where you're coming back to it over and over again def it definitely helps but you still need the passion you know, you need people that are like excited to go through that process to some degree. So you do have to spark that. But very cool. Um, yeah, I, I think uh, at one point I was mobbing with Willem in the past, and uh, he had introduced, and this was in person. So he had introduced um, the Safari retrospective, which was like. Uh, you know, the flower, uh, the elephant foot, you know, it's like, you do feel stepped on sort of thing. And people put out these anonymous cards. Um, but it was like a very regular thing. And uh, it worked out some some pretty interesting stuff within teams. Uh, so yeah, I'm always, I'm always uh, kind of interested to see the things that, that he um, suggests for teams and stuff. Yeah, I think something that I learned from Willem and the that team is that, um, bringing people in who are not always a part of the mob and having them help to facilitate some of the conversations really will change the conversation yeah. in surprising ways where people say things they never say and you realize there's a new issue to, to work on. So yeah. that's a big one too. Awesome. Nice. Yeah. I wanted to revisit to what would you call it? The continuous improvement canvas. Yep. Is it basically like a board of virtual stickies with different categories? I think I've, um, yeah, so in his, uh, in the article that he shared with me in the original inception, it's sort of like this four quadrant thing where you move sort of an idea from there's a beginning phase and then it, you know, you go through to the different steps of like, maybe we'll do this to yes, we'd like to try it to, you know, here's a norm that we're trying to codify. And then there's like a history column. Um, ours was a Trello board and it had more columns than that. So you can kind of morph into different styles. Was this for adoption of working agreements? Is that? Yeah, exactly. Um, and just also keeping track of learning and stuff like that too, sort of like, so those combined uses there. Um, and in our, one of, something that was kind of interesting about that, our last column was um, sort of like, we wrote more fleshed out uh, thoughts about what we found from that idea that we originated. And sometimes it turned into like a mob value kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And we'd elaborate on that. And then a newcomer could come in and sort of read through that and get like a really good idea of what the mob culture is and whether or not they're interested in those, you know, do they, does it resonate with them or not? So. Yeah. And, and what's, what's connecting for me, um, Chris uh, recently sent our teams uh, a video on second brain type stuff uh, and so and how it can help with learning and I almost wonder it almost seems like there's like this uh, thing that happens a lot with mobs and I think it this continuous improvement canvas is one uh, where it's like the mob forms their collective second brain you know where and it helps their learning and experimentation right because it's if you're learning something and you want to see like, like in the one you were talking about, how it progresses through time is through the different stages. It's hard to keep all that in your head. It's also kind of stressful to keep that in your head, right? So right. to have the second brain to offload it onto and then revisit kind of catches you up, right? <laughs> so you can 
you can move to the next phase, so to speak. Um, yeah, yeah, that's, uh, I don't know, have, has that, was that part of any of the material, Chris, the collective aspect of a second brain? <laughs> I don't know. It's almost yeah, always no. framed in like a solo perspective from what I've seen. Yeah, yeah, well, so that, that is uh, specifically, um, I forget his name now, but second brain was written by the book's author. But then there's a lot of technology that's been evolving out of it. Um, you know, things like Obsidian and Eagle and things. Um, and uh, um, Jason Story, who we've had on on the show before, talked pretty deeply in, in, as far as how he manages his own on his YouTube channel. Um, and uh, but but right now we have people, you know, so I, I had forwarded that video. Uh, Vince was the one that had given it to me. Uh, because he's very passionate about it and has been um, kind of promoting that within all of the mobs um, that we have. And, and so, um, but I think it is kind of a natural thing where it's like, okay, you know, how do you uh, store the, the collective knowledge of the team, especially after you have team members? And I think this goes back to my thought of the team is the ship of Theseus, right? So in the ship of Theseus and Greek mythology, it's like, you know, if you have if you have the ship and every plank of wood is gradually re replaced on the ship for repairs and regular maintenance over the course of years, and you you know the ship at the beginning is now made of completely different physical pieces of wood than at the end, but it was one piece of wood, then another, then another. So you know, was it always the same ship? And and my argument is that you know most people will always come into a team. Um, and that the product they're working on is probably decades old at this point. Um, you know, it's very rare that you work on something greenfield, and and most greenfield projects are are actually a bad idea because they're usually a, a full rewrite of something uh, that could be iterated on. Um, and so, uh, you know, so so I do talk about like, you know, so the team is the ship of Theseus, and I think that there was a big shift in the way that the team was thinking about the product and how they were working on it because I think a lot of the second brain stuff um, may have stemmed out of a little bit of the transition of thinking of like, we are the team, we are the product to uh, maybe I'm a plank of wood in this transitioning ship. Um, and uh, and so I think that that sort of stuff, especially in a mob that becomes much more relevant. And then when you're doing chaos engineering for the team, like if you're swapping people out that become too knowledgeable in the product, mm -hmm. um, then you'll see a lot more of this because it's like, how do I help the next person that's going to work on this be successful? Yeah. Yeah. That was a big part of it too, was sort of, um, that was another use of that was keeping track of information. If I'm not here tomorrow, what will the, the mob that exists need to succeed yeah. essentially? So promoted saving information that we wouldn't have otherwise. Yeah. yeah. So. Don't, don't let the ship sink while, while, while you've been, <laughs> <laughs> replaced or something I don't know. Um, yes and uh yeah so really good stuff um this might be a good transition point for uh the holistic perspective in the work um so maybe what were you thinking there um so i'm uh pretty big into full stack development um i when i look for employment i look for a job where i can be involved with many parts of the process um, and also interface with other people who have responsibilities, you know, that are that are very different from mine. Um, you know, basically what I find is that the teams can get in sort of these bubbles where they're just working and working and working and working. And 
you know, quote unquote, producing something, but not really understanding like what's actually needed or even what the intent is, you know, whether, whether that's what the customers need or leadership team's vision or, you know, whatever thing you're pursuing sort of like, it's really easy to just, you know, produce something that's not actually particularly of use, yeah. <laughs> essentially. So, yeah. And um, <clears throat> are there any uh, maybe examples that you can contrast between, um, you know, working one way or the other? Or uh, how, how did you come to this line of thinking? Um, yeah, so probably there's different layers to it. So I guess I'll, I'll say from working with people in different departments, say, say you work at a company that has like 10 different departments and they have specialized areas, um, having, inviting those people into your group and actually having conversations like while you're developing, not just uh, upfront, <laughs> you know, but like actually during the process and really talking about like what their job is like and what the concerns are. I just, um, you know, you, you get to a point where say like, uh, we're writing some particular business logic and we just happen to have the right person in the room at the right time. And all of a sudden, you know, somebody says, oh, I'm going to make it do this or, um, you know, you should make it do this <laughs> if you're doing like a navigator kind of thing. Uh, and then that person pops in and says, well, actually, you know, there's this other concern around that area. And none of us had that particular piece of domain knowledge, but because we had them there with us, you know, completely changes the output essentially. <laughs> so yeah, I can't, I can't tell you how many times I've been in a mob and it's just like one person had this, uh, you know, kind of bit of crucial knowledge that happened to be there that completely redirected the path forward. And had we not been mobbing, it would have been a full release cycle before we realized the problem. Yeah. Um, and and so it, it's a really interesting and, and you know i think that's that's a, a big piece of like when people are evaluating mobbing for the first time and trying to figure out the financial benefits that's such a hidden thing but it it's incredibly valuable but you know it it minimizes waste in, in so many ways so I, i've seen that quite a bit and and i'll add it, it can even be an emotion not even a piece of information but just like immediate feedback on what you're doing like this happened to us earlier today where it's like, okay, yesterday was pretty painful. We tried 10 experiments, they all failed. Do we go for number 11 or 12? And we started listing out those options. And you could just feel it in the mob that this was not feeling like a good path for. And even just that feedback, just like just a facial expression or, oh, I don't know, led to, okay, well, what's another way to do it? And how can you approach it from a completely different angle? Where if it was just me, like, oh, no big deal, I'll just plow through it and just keep going through right. the mess you know uh, i probably would have been okay with it where feeling that immediate feedback can lead to an innovation where you're like let's not put up with this mess let's do something else you know um to to fix this problem um and uh another so another recent experience really uh i want to emphasize what you said with full stack versus not uh I've recently seen that, you know, there's like two models in my mind, a team, a mob or whatever. One that has complete authority and control over the full tech stack all the way from ideation to delivery. And man, that, that machine can really move quickly. 
as soon as you introduce one piece that they can't touch, what starts being there? You know, there's cues, there's waiting, there's all these things. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, have you, like, what, what are some concrete examples you've seen? Because it sounds like you've been there. I'm guessing yeah, yeah. there's uh, <laughs> there's some reasons why you're, you're a believer in full stack. <laughs> um, I mean, so I will say uh, my initial experience, my early experiences in my career were in environments where I had the ability to contribute to a lot of different things. Nice. And then when that was taken away from me, <laughs> that's when I really realized I was like, wow, this is feels really ineffective to me. Um, you know, people talk about the concept of full stack development and is there, is there really a full stack developer? Like, can you possibly know everything? And, you know, I'd say, no, <laughs> I don't know everything. Um, but I can know quite a bit about a lot of things. Um, and so, you know, if I'm working on the back end and I know how the front end is designed and how it works and what the concerns are, then I can keep that in mind while I'm, I'm doing it and vice versa. Or if I'm working, you know, with the database, if I have a particular piece of knowledge, you know, I'll know how to design that in a certain way. So um, what I find is, you know, like a, a pretty recent one was, we were working on a, a front end component and it needed to communicate with uh, Azure. And so there was some front end back end interaction. And we basically found that, you know, the infrastructure was not configured to support what was being asked to be done. And nobody had kept track of that. There was no ticket or item to be able to do that so you kind of just naturally uncover things you know before getting to production otherwise we would have tried to launch it and then basically you know it just wouldn't work we would have got an error so yeah no, that's, a, that's definitely a good find and i think i really love what you said is that you can't know it all you can't keep the full stack in your head and uh i don't know if google does this to me just because uh like whatever i'm searching or looking up or whatever like it's tracing from everything I type in, it usually tries to find like uh, almost like counter arguments, you know, so like DevOps is a, a search that will come up on fairly often for me or something. <laughs> and it, I'll get like, it'll show me web pages of why DevOps doesn't work or why DevOps is terrible or whatever. And I'm like, oh, wow, why? it's like peppering me with all this stuff. But what I found by it, I actually clicked on one of them. It got me. Uh, I fell for it. <laughs> yep. was, it was basically people stressed out because they're one person trying to have all of ops and all of dev and all of front end and all of back end all in one person's head. And I was just thinking, well, yeah, <laughs> that would be pretty terrible. Right. And so right. I think full stack could sound crazy scary if you're trying to do it all alone. Right. And be your own QA as well at the same time. And so I think maybe like there's a natural synergy with TDD and mobbing, maybe there's a natural synergy with full stack and DevOps with mobbing because you don't have to keep it all in your head and you can do it safely and step-by-step step. and you can have those discoveries you just shared about um, as opposed to finding them out way later. Um, yeah. Yeah. And it, it, it kind of goes back to the fulfillment topic that we were originally talking about where if you have people with these different skills and they have that opportunity to share it with the rest of the team, like that's pretty fulfilling, you know, to be able to solve that problem for the team. Like, Oh, you know, 
uh, everybody knows a little bit of CSS, but this person's like really adept at CSS. And now they're able to propagate that to the team and no, we're not going to be brought up exactly to their level right away, but you know, we'll get a lot closer pretty quickly. So. Yeah, and uh, so, so one thing, you know, I was really struggling with specialty titles within a group before. And, um, and so, you know, when we were hiring DevOps engineers and, and you know, database specialists and things like that, uh, a lot of it was like, okay, well, you know, they'll come into an environment with mobbing and then they'll kind of want to go and, and work on their own. And what kind of naturally happened, you know, um, from these specialists uh, was, no, I prefer mobbing because we get a lot more done and I'll just mob with the team. So, so a title for me these days is now just what they're going to focus their learning on, right? So it's full stack development. They're going to work in the software engineering discipline uh, on some level because they're going to be part of the mob, but we're working, we're really working on single piece flow to production. But the nice thing is that a specialist can can go deep on a on a specific skill set and then be present for the mob and and learn those general skills just through the osmosis of being in the mob. But their learning track is just wildly different from everybody else from the software engineer learning track. And and if you get people on these specific learning tracks in different areas and then go back into mob with the team, uh, then you get some some really different uh, things coming out of it. So. Right. Yeah, and that ties right back into fulfillment, right? Because if you have a deep learning track that you know when you walk into a team or mob, you have something to contribute, uh, that brings fulfillment, right? You know, that, um, yeah, so I, I, I really like that. So, uh, yeah, but we are coming up on time. Uh, is there anything you'd like to share, plug, uh, Kelly, before we close the show? Um, no, no, nothing in particular. Um, I guess just... You know, if anybody's interested in mobbing and wants to have a mobbing experience, you can reach out to me on Twitter. It's, uh, I think it's Kelly Rankin 19. Um, I'm always open to just do that if you want to do code katas or anything like that. So, Awesome. Awesome. Great. Yeah. And that, that can definitely inspire uh, some learning and fulfillment and some holistic perspectives. So uh, if you have any opinions on those topics, uh, audience, we'd love to hear it, whether it's comments in YouTube, uh, LinkedIn, Twitter. Uh, we'd love to hear your perspective. Please share this with anybody who uh, you feel like starting a conversation with on these things to kind of maybe get it going. Uh, yeah. And until next time, uh, uh, like, subscribe, mob well, and have a good one, everybody. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye, everybody.